the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 13. And if you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. Luke, chapter 13, we'll begin reading in verse number 6, and then we'll work our way down through verse number 9. Just four verses to read, but uh, give you a chance to stretch a little bit, and of course, out of respect for the Word of God. Verse number 6, notice it with me. The Bible says, And he spake also this parable, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Verse 7, Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? In other words, why is it taking up space in my vineyard if it's not going to produce anything? Verse number 8, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. I want you to notice in verse number 8, it says, And the answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. I want to preach to you on that, that little, those three words, this year also. This year also. And let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments as we try to share our truth via this this story in the scriptures. I pray that you'd help us to look at our lives and help us as we still very early in a brand new year face the opportunities, the challenges, and uh, help us, Father, to understand what you expect of us in the new year. And then, Father, I pray that we would, we would make up our minds before leaving this place today that we're going to do what we can for the cause of Christ in this year also, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts now through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Here we are, almost two weeks into a brand new year, and the holidays are behind us. Somebody say amen right there. The holidays are behind us, and now you can resume with that diet that you started, uh, that you uh, put on hold between the end of November and the end of the year. Now we can go back to that and all those uh, wonderful uh, visions of grandeur about how healthy we're going to eat and all of that stuff. What lies ahead is a year full of promise. 2020, <clears throat> again, we're 12 days into it, and not just hopes and dreams and wishful thinking, the promises that are held in 2020 for a believer are the promises of a sovereign God who also happens to be our Heavenly Father. Now think about that. Someone rightfully said that the future is as bright as the promises of God. You have in your lap this, uh, this morning a copy of the promises of God. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. All the blessings of His love divine, every promise in the book is mine. Now, what we have to understand is that many of God's promises are conditional. Many of God's promises to us as believers hinge or, or are contingent on our obedience. Yeah, we like to claim the promises of God, but many of the promises of God are not available to us if we're living in disobedience to what God has already told us to do. 
Uh, how, how many of you can, can relate to this? Uh, sometimes when uh, in the early years of our, our children and child rearing and so forth, we'd say something like this. Hey, if you, uh, if you get thus and such done or if you get your chores done or if you get your room cleaned up or if you make sure you take care of this, then hey, we'll go get some ice cream in a little bit. Or hey, we'll go to the store. Or hey, we'll go to we'll go to Walmart, amen. And uh, and let you we'll go. Hey, even better than that, we'll go to the dollar store. And and uh, and uh, but what was it? You made a you made a promise. You made a uh, uh, you made a commitment based on the behavior of your children. And many times God does that for us. He gives us promises in his in the scriptures, but those promises are contingent on our obedience, on our responsibility, if you will. And so, you know, I, uh, I feel sorry for those who leave their New Year's fortunes to quote-unquote chance. You know, should all acquaintance be forgot? And they sing songs like that on New Year's Eve. And, uh, or, or the old song, the old Christmas song, uh, through the years we all will be together if the fates allow or something like that. No. no, there's a sovereign God. There's a God in heaven who created all things, who has everything in his power, who has everything under control, and the bonus for those of us who are saved is that sovereign God, that creator of the universe, happens to be our heavenly Father. And it's not a, it's not a, a matter of fate, it's a matter of the providential will of an almighty God, and you know, we can rest in that this morning. I don't know what 2020 holds for any of us. I don't know, that, uh, but that there'll be some people sitting in this room uh, right now. I'm not trying to be fatalistic. I'm just trying to, to, to be realistic. But there's, there's, there's chance that somebody sitting in this room uh, will be in heaven before the year is out. But, you know, hey, thank God for heaven. Praise the Lord that, hey, if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know you're going there. You don't have to think or hope or worry or, or fret about that. Hey, it's a promise that God has made to us. Folks, uh, for the child of God, whatever you're going through right now, this is as bad as it can ever be. If you're not a child of God, then whatever you're going through, however good it may be for you, you better enjoy it because this is as good as it can get for you. I'm simply saying we have different, different perspectives based on whether or not we know we're saved. And I don't know what 2020 holds for any of us, but I'll tell you this, I know who holds 2020. I don't know who holds the, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And so we can rest in that. But I feel sorry for those who have a K, Sarah, Sarah, whatever it will be, will be mentality about the future <coughs> because they're uh, just kind of throwing their life to chance when uh, praise the Lord, I have a father who has a will for my life. That's a wonderful thought. He said, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has a will for your life. Now, our future is as bright as the promises of God, and many of those promises hinge on on our willingness to obey the Lord in the coming year. For all of us, it's a time to decide that this year is going to be a good year. Hey, you decide that based on your response to the Father's will for your life. You decide that. Again, I don't know if 2020 will be a year of health for you or a year of sickness. I have no idea. I don't, I don't have any clue as to whether 2020 will bring you financial prosperity or, or financial ruin. I have no idea. 
Uh, but I do know this, if you belong to God, God has a future in mind for you. I love what the Bible says over in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. He said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And he goes on to say, to bring you to an expected end. God has an expected end for your life. God has an expected plan for your life. And when I get, look, when things don't work out according to God's will for my life, you can bet one thing is sure. I'm not, God's not the one who messed up. I did. I did. If I ever get off the beaten path for what God wants, me to, uh, God wants to do in my life, it's not his fault because he has given me his book and said, this is the way, walk ye in it. And when I get off the path, I've got nobody to blame but myself. It's a decision that we make. It's a choice that we make. In the passage that we read a few moments ago, we see a fig tree that a certain man planted in his vineyard. And that's interesting to me. A, uh, a vineyard uh, produces grapes, but this man wanted one fig tree to be planted in the middle of this area that was nothing but grapevines. That's uh, kind of a side note in and of itself. But he planted this tree and waited three years for it to produce. I remember when I was a kid, my, uh, <clears throat> my grandfather had a, uh, wasn't, you wouldn't call it a vineyard, but he had a grapevine in his backyard, and he had it all. He'd, he'd nourished it, and he'd cultivated it, and, and it had grown to be pretty sizable over time. And uh, until in uh, March of 1984, a, a tornado came and just totally <laughs> destroyed it. And uh, it was it's just a shell of what it used to be. But anyway, uh, he was pretty proud of it. And he, uh, he, had some, uh, he had some apple trees in his backyard. And, and uh, heaven forbid, he had some peach trees in his backyard. I never messed with those. And, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I remember one time going out there with my grandpa and he planted a new uh, fruit tree of some kind. And six months later, I came into my grandpa's house. I said, Grandpa, what's wrong with the tree we planted? He said, Son, what are you talking about? I said, You know, that tree we planted last time I was here. I went out there. There's nothing on it. He kind of got a kick out of that and chuckled. He said, Son, you're not going to see any fruit on that tree for three or four years. It, 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 it takes a while for that tree to grow and mature and get to a point where it can bear fruit. It just doesn't happen overnight or six months later. It, 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 there, there's a process involved. And here's this, here's this uh, uh, master who had a, uh, a keeper of his vineyard, and he planted this fruit tree and waited three years for it to produce. And at the end of three years, they're going through the vineyard, and they come to this, where this fig tree was planted, and they'd take some inventory of it. And he went to the dresser of the vineyard and said, Why are we bothering to put up with this useless fig tree? Notice in your Bible, notice the wording there in Luke chapter 13. And verse number 7, it says, Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? He said, Look, this fig tree is useless. It is not producing anything. All it's doing is taking up valuable space uh, uh, in, a, in a piece of land that could be producing something. Why don't we just cut it down? Why don't we just get rid of it? Well, the vine dresser, the employee said, Sir, <clears throat> Master, let's give it one more year. Let's give it one more year. Notice his response in verse number 8. And he answering said unto the Lord, Let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. Now, this vine dresser, 
uh, taking pride, and you have to tip your hat to this vine dresser, taking pride in his work and what he was doing. He said, Master, he said, if you'll let me work with it one more year, if you'll let me cultivate the soil around that tree one more year, if you'll let me fertilize it one more year, if you'll give me one more opportunity to work with that tree, let's just see what we can do with it. Let me cultivate it. Let me water it. Let me nurture it. Let me give it the best chance to do something, and then we'll come back a year from now and go from there. In other words, he said, let's give this tree one more chance. You know, that story, that line reminds me of how good God has been in giving us a clean slate called 2020. One more year. This year also we all may have had, uh, may have a different perspective on what happened in our lives in 2019 it may have been a year of difficulties it may have been a year marked by sickness it may have been a year of suffering you may look back and see 2019 as a year of triumphs in your life you may look back and see it as a year of trials or tribulations in your life but either way can i can i encourage you a little bit this morning and say this god brought us through all of it the ups, the downs, the twists, the turns, the valleys, the mountaintops, all of it. Hey, here we are. Here we are. You may have, there may have been times in 2019 where you thought to yourself, God, I can't see another day. God, I can't, things are so dark in my life now, I can't see how the sun's ever going to shine again, as it were, as far as the circumstances of my life is concerned. But hey, here we are. It's January 12th, 2020. And the good God of heaven has brought you safe thus far. Now, whatever yesterday was, or last year was, hey, it's a new day. Whatever the case in your life, we can all look back at the year that was and praise the Lord for bringing us through it. And with those things in mind, I want to share with you several things from this parable about this year also. This year also. First of all, I want you to see this. The tree was special. It was unique. It was unusual. Again, he talks about a fig tree in a vineyard. That sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? And, but look at it. It was the only fig tree in the middle of this vineyard. No other tree just like it. Do you understand something that you're important to God? I wish I could get every person in this room to understand the value of your life in the sight of an almighty God. You're not just an uh-oh. You're not just a statistic. You're not just an illustration. You're not just one of a couple hundred people in an auditorium on a Sunday morning. You're not just one of seven and a half billion people on planet Earth. You're not just one of 1.2 million people in Oakland County. You're not just one of 70 some odd thousand in Waterford, Michigan on a Sunday morning in January. No, you're somebody to God. That tree that was planted in the middle of a vineyard was something special to the vine dresser, something special to the owner of the vineyard. And by the same token, you have value to God. Your life is meaningful to God. I'm not a, <clears throat> some of you will know this, this name, some of you will not, and I'm not, this is by no means an endorsement of every political view that he had, okay, so there's my disclaimer. But many years ago, <clears throat> the Reverend Jackson, <laughs> he would go to these public schools in inner city cities, uh, inner cities of Chicago or New York or Detroit or wherever, and he'd get large groups of children in an assembly and uh, it was kind of a rally type atmosphere and he'd say now boys and girls say this after me 
I am somebody. And they'd say, I am somebody. And you say, say it again. I am somebody. I am somebody. And, uh, and over and over again, you say, well, he was just trying to build up their self-esteem. He was just trying to, uh, he, he's just trying to, uh, to, uh, to, to rally them. Hey, <clears throat> whatever. And again, that, please don't take that as a blanket endorsement of everything Jesse Jackson ever said, okay? But hey, I will say, I will say one thing. You are somebody in the sight of God. Your life is meaningful to God. What is man that thou art mindful of him, the psalmist said, and the son of man that thou visitest him. And when you look at your life in the, in the grand scheme of everything that God has made, it, it, it seems to you and me to be very insignificant, but to God the Father, it's very significant. You look at yourself and say, I, I, I'm one in a world full of people that most people don't even know who I am or, or, or that I exist. Let me tell you something. You mean something to him. Your life does have value to him. You can make a difference. You say, I'm just one person. No, but you may be one, but you are one. You may not be able to do everything, but by the grace of God, you can do something for the cause of Christ. You can make a difference in the lives of others. You can, you can make a difference in, in a very dark world. Your light can shine like we talked about on Wednesday night. I'm simply saying the tree was special. You are somebody. I want you to see number two. Not only was the tree special, but the tree was planted on purpose. The tree was planted on purpose. This was not a wild tree that happened to grow up in the middle of a vineyard. Somebody planned for it. Somebody prepared for it. Someone wanted to enjoy the fruit of a fig tree at some point. And I want you to understand this this morning. God has you here for a reason. God has you here in this place at this time for such a time as this. I can't help but think about the story of Esther when I think about this truth. Here is Esther. She finds herself as a Jewish girl in captivity. And through a process of events, you read through the book of Esther, it's amazing, the only book in the Bible that you don't find the word God mentioned. That's interesting, isn't it? But yet God's fingerprints are all over the book. His hand of providence is seen in every single chapter of the book. And here's this little Jewish girl who is, by the providence of God, brought to a position of, uh, of, of prominence and leadership and all of that. And she has a cousin named Mordecai, who is uh, obviously he himself uh, a Jew as well. And, and, of course, destruction is determined by a wicked man named Haman on all the Jews of the kingdom. And there is Esther in Shushan the palace. And Mordecai comes to her one day and said, Esther, uh, you've got to do something. And she said, what can I do if I do? If I do the wrong thing, it means certain death for me. And he said, uh, and Mordecai encourages her and challenges her and said, Esther, you've got to do something. He said, who knows but that you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Esther, this might be why you're here. Esther, has it dawned on you that whatever has happened in your life, these circumstances that have brought you to this place of being the queen over all of the empire, it may be that this is the very reason God has you right here. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I may not understand what your purpose is, but I guarantee you there's a God who does have a purpose for you. He's got a reason for your being here. I mentioned it at the end of Sunday school, but... but uh, he said, oh, preacher, I don't, I don't understand God's purposes in my life. I don't understand what he's doing. And you know what? There's times in, in our lives where we all feel that way, where we feel like, God, have you forgotten? Hello, remember me? <laughs> we all go through those kinds of times in our lives. 
But you rest assured, God's not done with you. You rest assured, God's not done with you. And as I said in Sunday school, here's this exercise to figure out whether or not God is, is, is finished with you or not. Hang on a second. Let me do some housekeeping here. Oh, there. Okay. Good. Here's a simple exercise for you to determine whether or not God, has, God has, is finished with you or not, okay? If you can't do what I'm about to do, then God's done with you, okay? Are you ready? Ready, class? Watch this. If you can't do that, congratulations, I'm done. <laughs> By the way, don't do that in church, all right? Don't stop doing that in church. <laughs> no, hey, if you have a breath to breathe, God has something for you. God has a plan for your life. God has a will for your life. 2019 may have been a train wreck in your life, but 2020 is a new year. Why don't you give it to God? The tree was special, number one. Number two, the tree was planted on purpose. Somebody planned for it. Somebody prepared for it. Somebody wanted to enjoy the fruit of that fig tree. And by the way, God wants to see fruit in your life, which, which leads me to number three, the master's expectation. The master's expectation. His, expe his expectation was fruit. Hey, that master wanted to be able to go out at some point and go to that fig tree and enjoy the fruit from that fig tree. So he went out after year one. Guess what? The master had reasonable expectations. Aren't you glad that God is a reasonable God? Aren't you glad that God does not expect more than you can give? He doesn't. He doesn't. The master goes to that fig tree after that first year, maybe just to see how it was doing, but there was no figs. Guess what? He didn't expect any the first year. He goes to it in year number two and looks at it, and it's a little taller now. It's a little stronger now. It's weathered a couple of years worth of storms, but still no figs. And you know what? The master was okay with that. You know why? His expectation was reasonable. But in that third year, in that third year, you read the story, it had been there for three years, and at the time when, it was, when the expectation was reasonable for fruit, he found no fruit. And he was angry. He was, he was discouraged by it. And so he turns to the vine dresser and he said, hey, why no fruit? Here it is. It's been three years. There's no figs. There's no fruit. Just cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Why are we putting up with a fruit tree here that will not produce fruit? Notice the master's expectation. The man who owned the vineyard and planted the fig tree expected to see fruit. And the God of heaven who made you and gave you the opportunities you have has the right to expect something in return. Do you hear what I said? God expects, and God has every right to expect us to do something with what he's given us. He has every right to expect that. Now, God is not unreasonable. God does not expect more than we're able to give. God understands that growth is a process. But there are Christians under the sound of my voice. You've been saved uh, not one year, not two years, not three years. You've been saved a long, long time. And God comes back year after year after year after year after year expecting to see something, expecting to see a return on his investment in my life and in your life. Let me ask you a question. Is God getting what he paid for? 
Is God, is God getting a return on his investment? He has a right to expect you to produce fruit in your life. He has a right to expect you, uh, you and me to grow. He has a right to expect you and me to be disciplined and develop godly Christian character. He has a right to expect us to develop holiness in our lives. He has a right to expect us to love others. He has a right to expect us to be a witness to others. He has a right to expect us to forgive others. Hey, I'm asking you a question. Jesus gave it all for you and I when he died on Calvary and he paid for our sins is God getting what he paid for? Provoking question, isn't it? And I'm afraid if all of us are just dead honest with ourselves and honest before the Lord this morning, we'd have to say, you know, sometimes I'm not meeting God's expectations. Now, God's expectations are reasonable, but he does have expectations. God has a right to expect us to love him enough to obey his commandments. He has a right to expect us to love him enough to obey his commandments. You know, again, we make the Christian life far too complex and complicated. You know what God expects from you in 2020? Here's what he expects. He expects you to obey. <laughs> he expects you to figure out what that book says as a child of God and just do what he asks you to do that's it that's it the songwriter put it like this trust and obey for there is no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and obey what is faith we talked about it on wednesday night back in the old year we said faith it really is obedience to the commands of god even when i can't figure out how it's all going to work out faith is me simply trusting in god's word enough to obey what he asked me to do even when i can't see the circumstances and how it's all going to play out but in 2020 look god's expectations of you and i hey just do what i ask you to do just trust me just hey be here in church sunday morning and if you can be back on sunday night and if you can be back on wednesday night, that's what he expects he said not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together by the way that'd be a great new year resolution for many of us to make you know pastor <clears throat> i've never tried sunday night church but here goes you know what? You'll be okay. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. You'll live to tell about it on Monday morning. More than likely. Uh, Wednesday night. You know what? Dr. Lee Roberts in many years says it takes three to thrive. Three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Look, I'm simply saying you can't, you can't overdose on the scripture. <laughs> you can't get too much of it. Hey, I'm simply saying God has expectations of growth for us. I'm not here to tell you what your next level of growth should be, but I promise you God has expectations that you take the next step. God has expectations. Look, if you've been saved but you've never been baptized, I'll tell you what God's expectation of you is, getting that water right there. You say, preacher, that's kind of a strange request. I'm not here to, to, to be able to explain all of it to you, but I'm saying that's what God tells us we ought to do. If we're saved, that first step is to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. If we're saved and, God, and we've been baptized, God wants you to be a part of a, a, a thriving, independent Baptist, Bible-believing church like the Lake Crest Baptist Church. God wants you to get involved for Him. God wants you to serve others. God wants you to forgive. There's many things that God expects of us. I'm simply posing the question this morning, is God getting what He expects from us? And if he hasn't to this point, guess what? Let's say this year also. <laughs> this year also, I'm going to do what I can to be more obedient to the word of God. We've got to hustle. The next thing I see is the, the care of the gardener. 
the care of the gardener. Look back, if you will, in our, in our text, Luke chapter 13 and, uh, and verse number 8. And he, answering, said unto him, the he there is the gardener, the dresser of the vineyard, if you will, the caretaker, if you will. He said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. Understand, somebody went to bat on behalf of the tree that was not what it should have been. Somebody interceded, if you will. Let me just say this. Praise the Lord for an atmosphere that God gives us in which we can grow. Thank God for church. Amen. There's about half a dozen of us who believe that. But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm thankful for a place called the local church, which the Bible says is the pillar and ground of the truth. I'm thankful for godly friends that, 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 pro, that provoke me and help me love God more. I said, uh, uh, I believe it was last Sunday or maybe the Sunday before that, where we're talking about uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea for us to resolve in 2020 to get close to somebody who's close to God. Somebody who's going to help us be more of what we ought to be. Somebody who's going to set a good example for us. Somebody who's going to set an example of faithfulness. Somebody who's going to set an example of loyalty to the scriptures, loyalty to the word of God and to truth and to loving people and, uh, and doing the things that we know we ought to do. Hey, I'm simply saying there was somebody who went to bat on behalf of this tree who wasn't what it, that wasn't what it should have been. You know, the gardener said, let me work with it for another year. Let me, let me help it another year. The master said, hey, let's get rid of it. But somebody interceded on behalf of the tree. You know what? It may be that in some cases we're like this gardener. You know, maybe we could help somebody reach their potential this year. Amen. One of the greatest things you'll do for yourself is to help somebody else. That's right. One of the greatest things that you'll ever do in you reaching your potential is to push somebody up to try to help them reach their potential. We recognized our bus captains a little while ago and our Sunday school teachers who, who are not usually able to be in the service. But I thank God for everybody who influences people in whatever, whatever way it is and whatever age group it is that you work with. Understand, hey, don't, don't minimize that. Don't, don't sell that short. I'm simply saying maybe you ought to be the gardener in some cases where you try to help somebody meet their expectations. The care of the gardener. And then lastly, last admonition this morning is this. The tree was given a new year of opportunity. This tree was given one more chance. The gardener looked at the master and said, look, can we leave it alone one more year? Can we withhold the axe from it huh, one more year? Can we hold off one year of starting the chainsaw and cutting it off even with the ground one more year? Let me do what I can. He said, let me, the Bible uses the word dung it, fertilize it. He said, let me cultivate it. Let me till the ground around it. Let me prepare the soil around it. Let me do everything that I can short of, look, he couldn't make it grow. God's not going to force himself on you this year. But boy, there ought to be an attitude for, uh, uh, among God's people in this room who say, God, would you give me one more year to see if I can meet expectations? And again, God's expectations are not far-fetched. 
He doesn't expect more from you than you can give to him, but God does want you to. He said, uh, over in the Old Testament, he said, uh, you know, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's all God expects. Fear the Lord, keep his commandments. You know what? Brother Dave, I can do that. Brother Fred, I can do that. Brother Joe, I can do that. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. God doesn't have unreasonable expectations for his children, but he does want you to fear him, and he does want you to obey him. Why don't we humble ourselves before the Lord as we embark on 2020 and say, God, God, I surrender. I haven't necessarily been everything that I should be, and by the way, none of us have. None of us have. I feel sorry for God sometimes. He's got all this invested in us. I mean, he's given us the dearest thing that he had. He, he gave us his only begotten son, the Bible says. And yet, how many times do I fail him? How many times do we all fail him? Why don't we humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, this year also, Lord, if you'll give me another shot at this. God, if you'll, if you'll be merciful to me. If you'll, like you did with Jonah, when Jonah refused to obey your will the first time, and you sent a storm, and then you sent a whale, and the whale swallowed up Jonah, and then Jonah got spit up on dry ground, and the Bible says, I love it, I love it. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, the second time. The second time. You know, maybe that ought to be our heart's cry this morning. Father, would you leave it alone this year also? This year also. Isn't there something deep in your soul this morning that says, I want to please my God? I want to please my God. There ought to be something in the bosom of every child of God in here, in the sound of my voice, that says, Boy, I really want God to get more of his money's worth from me this year. I really want that. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, can I tell you something? <clears throat> you're never going to reach your potential because you don't even belong to the Father right now. You don't belong to the Father. You say, oh, but preacher, we're all children of God. Oh, no, we're not. The Bible is very clear about that. Jesus looked at a group of people in John chapter 8, verse 44, and said, you are of your father the devil. If you're, you say, who is that? People who aren't saved. People whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. People who, who uh, have, to this point, not received Christ as their Savior. You're one of two people, those who are saved or those who are lost. If you're saved, why don't you humble yourself and say, The Lord, you got me. You got me. Would you give me this year also? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Every head bowed, every eye is closed.